0: I never found it terribly interesting that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but what I did find interesting about that whole story was that Abraham and God got to have a really good argument. One of the things that, that makes me love the patriarchs of the Hebrew Scriptures and the matriarchs of the Hebrew Scriptures is constantly see them arguing with God, constantly see this back and forth with God, and them questioning God and, and asking God uh, to change their mind when, when God has decided to do something. And I love that. Kind of like us. We get disoriented and we get upset with things and we uh, get upset with the way things are going or what we see happening around us. And, and I hope that we know that we can question and argue and talk with God much like Abraham does today, much like uh, Jesus teaches his followers You have to excuse me if I seem a little uh, exhausted and disoriented because I just came off uh, a week with a group of our teenagers, three of whom are here today, I must say, uh, on a mission trip in Wilmington, North Carolina. Imagine sleeping in a a room designed for two people with seven teenagers. (laughs) And thus you know the root of my exhaustion. They're great kids, though. Um, It was a great week. Um, it was disorienting for us in some good ways. Um, and today there's a, lot about, there's a lot about disorientation, I found, uh, in, in the readings that we have today. Uh, the disciples, I think, are somewhat disoriented with Jesus. I mean, no wonder, because Jesus has, has openly contradicted everything that they've ever learned about uh, God and everything they were ever taught in the organized religion of their days. He tells them they're not supposed to pray in public and make a big deal of themselves like the Pharisees do and like they're used to seeing the religious observant folks doing. Um, He works on the Sabbath day healing. He tells them time and again that, that God's kingdom is not just for the observant religious folks, but for the lost and for the other and for the stranger and for the dejected among them. He hammers home to them that that God's is not an exclusive club just for the devout and the observant. He lays waste most of what they have been taught about prayer in their lifetimes. The stranger, the foreigner, the outcast, the dirty, the pariah, the blemished souls, all of them have access to God. Not only that, but all of them are especially beloved of God, and he, Jesus, is their prime representative. Most disconcerting for a group of followers who are not accustomed to this kind of grace in their religious practice. Thankfully, one of them asks a question or makes a demand of Jesus He's our stand-in, I think. I like to think it was Peter because Peter was always prone to outbursts. Teach us to pray. And I love this next part because it's, it's kind of like he's comparing them to John's father. Teach us to pray. You know, John taught his people how to pray. Come on. Jesus, get with it. And I love the way Luke writes it today because Jesus, I, I, I picture him kind of uh, taking a deep breath and kind of occurring to him, Oh, yeah. Maybe they don't really know how to pray anymore. And then he teaches them a prayer that, that is strikingly similar to a prayer that they already know. A prayer that they undoubtedly heard in some way, shape, or form. One that you will have heard if you've been to, to a temple uh, on a Friday night or on a Saturday morning or you've been to Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah, it's the Kaddish. And the Kaddish, uh, the words of the Kaddish go something like this. Um, And this is a couple of different Kaddish that are crammed together. May his great name grow exalted and sanctified in the world that he created as he willed. May God give reign to his kingship in your lifetimes and in your days and in the lifetimes of the entire family of Israel, swiftly and soon. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life upon us and upon all Israel. He who makes peace in his heights, may he make peace upon us and upon all Israel. Amen. So in response to their disorientation, um, Jesus, and, and it's why I think uh, Jesus might have been an Episcopalian, he gives them a common prayer. Please don't tell everyone I said that Jesus was Episcopalian. He responds to their disorientation with a common prayer. And, and, and you get a sense of him, him saying to them, you know, when all else fails... I imagine him saying in a little side conversation, because I know you must be confused now because I've openly challenged everything that you know. When all else fails, try this. And, you know, it's kind of like the Kaddish. You know, pray the Kaddish, basically, he says. But pray it in this special way. We did a lot of praying this week, uh, believe it or not. Um, A lot of common praying in addition to the individual uh, extemporaneous prayers that we heard and that that we, we made this week. Uh, and on this mission trip, uh, my wife Patricia and I went on together, uh, and, our, and our actually two of our kids went as participants, and she went as, an, as a chaperone, as an adult leader. Um, we all experienced some really pleasant kind of disorientation this week, because the group that we, we used uh, to help us plan this trip is called Team Effort, and Team Effort is uh, mostly run by uh, some folks who, who uh, go to Baptist College of Florida, down in, in, uh, in North Florida. So we were immersed in a large group of, of kids and adults uh, whose numbers included uh, 60 to 100 Methodists, 30 kids from a Reformed church, many, many Baptists, and 16 Episcopalians. <laughs> and these were wonderful kids. You know they got along great. They were really nice to our kids. We made a lot of friends, really enjoyed being with them, um, and they all gathered uh, during a week of their summer to do rebuilding and repair work during their day in a really hot, unpleasant conditions on the houses of um, mostly elderly folk who who couldn 't otherwise have the work done. Um, in our case we we worked on a, a lady 's house her name was Miss Jackson, and she was a retired uh, nurse and hospital administrator and She paid for the materials, and we provided all the labor, and we built her a wheelchair ramp, and we uh, pressure washed the vinyl siding on her house, and we restored her front porch. And if you follow us on Facebook, you can see the highlights of the work that we did. It was beautiful, beautiful work. Um, Our supervisor was a young man named Shea Barger, who happens to be my nephew's best friend. Funny how that works. Um, And he reported at the end of the week that we were probably the hardest working group that he ever had. And on Thursday, we were supposed to work until 12, and we didn't leave till close to 4, because none of my kids wanted to leave until all the decking was put on that wheelchair ramp. I was really, really proud of that. And I was also proud of how we prayed. We prayed together three, four times a day together uh, during the day. We used a lot of prayers uh, that our forefathers and our foremothers left for us, including the one that Jesus offers us today. We used that one quite a bit. And these prayers, uh, more than one of the the people on the trip with us, uh, my my oldest uh, graduating senior, William Parker, time and again, would tell me that these prayers helped to center him in the midst of his disorientation. And you know what disoriented us wasn't... Uh, anything really horrible, it was just that every night we had these worship services, and these worship services uh, were structured more like you might see in a lot of the, the the large mega churches here in Atlanta right now, and they were very different from what our kids were used to i mean i don 't think we have in our rebuilding plans a powerPoint projector back here, but <laughs> um, but there were PowerPoint slides, uh, there was a lot of uh, praise music. Um, a lot of uh, prayers that were punctuated with with words like Father God and we just, and, um, and it was very uh, emotional worship, which is not something that that our kids are really used to. And in fact, we would sit every night around in a circle in the sand and we would talk about what happened during the day. And that's how we processed the day. I said, okay, what happened? And we would talk about, uh, you know, one day Miss Jackson invited us into her house and she prayed over us and... And she obviously grew up in a Pentecostal tradition, so she prayed a good, you know, five, six minutes. And, and, and our kids loved it, and she bought us lunch, and we got to be friends with her. And, um, and things like that would happen during the day, but invariably the, the talk would turn to that night's worship and that night's message. Because the worship was very different. It was very emotional. Um, invariably, towards the end of uh, the worship time, when we sang, and the worship leader, who uh, was a young man named, man named Kevin, who played guitar, um, and had a lovely voice. Uh, there would be kids in some part of the auditorium, with our, uh, some part of our little outdoor area with their arms around each, each other's shoulders, some of them sobbing and crying. And, and I would turn and look at my kids and they would give me this look like, what's happening? <laughs> 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 hey, and, you know, we had a wonderful talk beforehand. Before we even left town, I said... We're going to be with people really different from us in their worship style, and you guys have got to be respectful, and you got to know that this is how they worship God. This is their way of having uh, having worship, and it's like ours as we come and we sit, you know, and we have communion together, and, you know, uh, this is really what's common for them. You know, if they came to our church, they'd be really disoriented because they'd have to juggle two or three books, and they'd have to walk and move and stand up and sit and kneel, and they would need your help. So, you know, be respectful, and they were they were very respectful cuz i promised them every night they could say whatever they wanted to in the little circle to process it and i've seen what happened to them while we prayed i've seen this time and time again usually in some more serious circumstances i've seen i've seen that uh, time and time again when people are in times of really uh, bad disorientation uh, really bad confusion um, when they're having an existential crisis or or they've suffered from death or job loss Or um, in in one case, a lady that that I knew in my last church her house burned down the first day I worked there. Um, People are in a scary place. People are in a place where they don't quite know where they are in the world because of what's going on around them. That these prayers, these common prayers, they work. The first funeral I ever did was was a funeral of one of my very best friends. And um, it was at the cathedral. And it was a gigantic funeral. It was very, very, very sad. And it was, you couldn't imagine really... um, it was just very upsetting for me personally, but I was honored to do it. And I remember standing at the doorway with, with Sam Candler uh, at the cathedral, and as they, they wheeled my friend's uh, coffin out to the hearse, uh, there was a sense that Sam and I both had that something had shifted in the room from the start of that funeral service to the end. And Sam looked at me, and I looked at him, and he, we had this moment, and he said, You know, this works, doesn't it? And it did. Something changes when we have these prayers together. I see it in, in ICUs when they're about to take someone off life support, and, and, and we pray the, the prayers for the sick and dying, and there's this sense sometimes that uh, you'll come in and a family will be draped over their loved one, and you'll finish these prayers, and you'll say the Lord's Prayer in particular, and people will take a deep breath, and it's almost like they're saying, Okay. And we really saw that with these kids after this very disorienting worship. Every night we would pray the, the prayers from the New Zealand Book of Common Prayer, the night prayers. And it has this great line. Um, it says, let it be, as they say. Lex credendi, lex I told them. You know, praying is believing if you are Episcopalian. Praying is believing. So if praying is believing, then when we sat in those circles, we could question away. We could, we could chip away at what we saw. We could think critically about it. We could wonder uh, why it was so strange, why it was so different from us, why it was more entertaining than our worship. Because it was, one, ch- one person on the trip said. Uh, what's the point of not having entertaining worship?" Um, it was time when we knew we could be honest with God because we were able to do the common work of prayer uh, together. I even had, uh, on the last night, they had this very emotional service, and, and we were sitting in our little circle on the beach getting ready to do night prayers, and there were kids all around us just sobbing and crying, and, and, um, and, and you know we'd, we'd hear an outburst, and they'd look up. And, and I even had one kid in the midst of all that look me in the eye and say, What makes you believe? And I don't know that I gave him a great answer, but it was honest, you know, because I said, "Well, I, I I have to. I can't not believe anymore because God's just gotten hold of me one too many times, and I hope that happens for you." It was a wonderful thing that happened because of, of these prayers. We spent a lot of time debriefing, but we also spent a lot of time praying together and talking about uh, what was good about the fact that we prayed together. And I taught them, uh, we talked about the Benedictines and about how they would pray while they worked, and we talked about the Jesus prayer and how while they worked they could say uh, short prayers to themselves. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me a sinner. And I don't know if any of them actually did it, but um, I know that the, wor- the results of the work that we had were the results of great prayer uh, for that week. Because we worked so very hard and we got so much done and we got along so well. We had a lot of help uh, from God. So life is very disorienting sometimes. And we have prayer to meet that disorientation. The last night in the midst of, of all the weeping and the emotionalism was really wonderful because... Um, we finished, after, after we kind of uh, debriefed the, the theology of the sermon and, and the, the difficulty that some of us had with it, and then we prayed the night prayers. And it was really kind of a remarkable thing, because I saw again that sense of, in the midst of their doubt, in the midst of their arguing with their God, in the midst of their questioning, in the midst of all their trouble, in the midst of all the things that they were going to face, as they uh, left this camp and went out into the world and out into their very busy and over-scheduled and overstressed stressed lives as teenagers in today's world, I saw uh, that's, that some of them, well, all of them, uh, had a sense of what prayer can do for them. Our prayers are believing. Our prayers save us and they continue to save us and they will continue to save us continue to save us all as we argue with God, as we struggle, as we hammer and saw and caulk and pressure wash and sing and repair the world for one another. Amen.